Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. Well, good morning, everybody. Once again, man, I really sense like the Lord's doing something cool today. Um, I hope I hope you do too, because I I feel like today's different, and uh, some of you guys need today to be different. I, I need today to be different. Anybody else feel that way? Like I I, I need today to be something where the Lord just. Re- He's living water all the time, and I need a fresh drink. Like, so if you want a fresh drink today, it's for you, right? Uh, I have three daughters, and um, I just want to know if it just happens in my house or if it also happens in yours, parents, uh, where if you tell one child a chore, they automatically think about what the other sibling needs to do. Just like the other day I said, Haley, I need you to do the dishes. Well, what about faith? I'm like, what about faith? Faith is right there. I don't know what you're asking. Well, what's she supposed to do? I'm not talking to Faith right now. Faith will, I'll, I'll talk to Faith later about what she needs to do. You just do you, right? Anybody else have that experience as a parent? Just curious. Where They automatically, if you are given one assignment, you want to know what your brother or sister has to do as well. And, and let me say this. Like, we don't really ever grow out of that, do we? Like, just think about work. Your boss comes in, gives you an assignment. You're thinking... What about that guy? What about my coworker? They're, they've just been sitting there playing solitaire all day. What are, you, what are they going to do? Or if they come in and they give him a raise, what are you thinking? Where's my raise? I, I've been doing work too, right? Like, like we, we kind of, we never fully grow out of that competitive like nature with our brothers and sisters. We're always kind of like, well, what about them? Like if I have to do this, shouldn't they? Why haven't they? I've already done, like, Haley, Haley's the queen of that. Like, I'll tell her, Haley, I need you to go down and change the cat litter box because I hate my, I mean, I love my cat. I mean, I, I don't want my cat. If you would love to have my cat, you can have him. But anyway, Haley, go change the litter box. She's like, well, I just did the dishes. Is there like a one chore per day rule that I don't know about? Like, what is, what is this thing? We all do this, though. We get into these competitive, like, this isn't, if I hear the term, it's not fair, one more time, like, that is all, I, you, you, you got the kids the same age. That must be, like, the coolest thing to say, I guess, for, like, the 10-year-olds. That's not fair. I'm like, what are you even talking about? We were playing a video game the other day. Like, I played Mario Party with my kids. And my oldest goes, this isn't fair. I'm like, how is this not fair? We all have the same controllers, the same characters, I'm just better than you. Like, it's, like, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I did not say that. That would be mean. I crushed them. Anyway. Life's not always fair, right? And we get into that space where we think that life should be fair, that our siblings got to do the same thing that we're doing or get paid the same way. And Jesus, and I'm not going to look at this passage this morning, but Jesus actually has a parable about this, the servants. And the one starts in the morning and and at the end of the day, he gets paid the same thing as the guy who started in the afternoon. You guys know that, remember that parable? They're all working the same job, different amount of time, and they all get the same wages. And Jesus is like, it's not really about that, guys. It, the fact that you got paid is my grace. The fact that you were a part of serving 
together and receiving a reward is my grace. Like, so like this morning, we're going to look, we, we've been in this series transition, and I could go kind of wild today because my notes are scattered and I, I just have a lot in my heart. I feel like the Lord's saying something this morning. So I hope you're ready for this journey. Uh, we might get out of here by 6 p.m. tonight. Kidding. Um, there's a lot in my heart. We've been looking at this journey of transition, like from the resurrection up until the day of Pentecost. There's all these little stories that we tend to overlook. And what we find, if we really look at them, is that God, by the power of his resurrection, the resurrected life through Christ, is calling people into moments of transformation. Their lives have been transformed from one place to another. Amen? So we looked at that these last few weeks. And here in John chapter 21, we're going to dig into this a little bit more. And we're going to see some of this competitiveness. We're going to see some of this, this different personalities clashing and, and growing and being stretched. Um, we, we've seen that Christ has been crucified, just so you understand the background here of this passage in John. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's appeared to the disciples. And it seems like he has gone away for a little bit again. And, and then he shows back up and he's making breakfast on the beach. You guys remember Matt Smith here a few weeks ago? He talked about this, this passage where Jesus is there like, hey guys, you're fishing and you're catching nothing. Here I am making your breakfast with some fish. Like, just come, let me feed you. And so Jesus makes breakfast and that's where we pick up John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, the one that Jesus just made, which I think is a great image, just Jesus making breakfast, I love it. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon... Son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and will carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. We have this really interesting passage here in, in John's gospel, and I, and I kind of want you to see what's happening here. Jesus comes to Peter. He's feeding them. And remember, like uh, probably about two weeks ago, or two or three weeks ago, somewhere in the span of the last few weeks, in, according to the text here, Peter has, Jesus is being in the middle of a trial, and Peter rejects even knowing Jesus three times. Remember that? Like, I don't even know him. And then he curses, like, like, I refuse to acknowledge that I even know him. Completely denies him three times, right? And so Jesus is here. He's making his breakfast. They all eat it. And he says, hey, Simon, Peter, do, do you love me? Do you love me more than these, it says. What Jesus is doing is he's having this moment, kind of like I have with my kids sometimes, where, like, I know I have, like, a little secret or, like, a little treasure, and I get a little smile on my face, you know. How many of you parents are like, kids go nuts right now over these kinder eggs? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you don't have a kid between the ages of four and eight. Kinder eggs are these little tiny things at the grocery store for like a ridiculously amount of money. It's like $3. You 
crack it open, there's a garbage toy and Nutella inside, basically, is what it is. It is like the most mind-blowing thing to these kids, and it's garbage. One, I don't like Nutella personally, but they go nuts over this stuff. But say, so I have some, some Kinder Eggs, and I'll be like, hey, girls, who loves me the most? What happens when I say that? They know my tone. They know uh, I do. I love you more than Haley does. I love, and little Grace is like, I love you. Like, like there's, do you guys love me more than mommy? Like, and then that turns into, it, it backfires on me all the time. So that doesn't work. But anyway, Jesus is having this moment with, with Peter. Hey, hey, Peter, do you love me more than the other disciples do? Do you love me more than these guys? And Peter's response is, yeah, I do. But what we're missing here in the English translation, I want, I want, to, I want you to look at a little bit. If you look at the Greek, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Which means, do you have deep heart commitment to me? Are you in love with me? Do you, do you really, really love me? Are you connected with me? And Peter's response in front of the bros, in front of all the guys, is, Jesus, you know you're my friend. It's a different word he uses. He says, yes, I phileo you. Jesus says, do you agape? Peter says, you know I phileo you. Like, Jesus, you know you're my bro. You know I got your back. And Jesus is thinking, yeah, you didn't a couple weeks ago, Peter. (laughs) You didn't have my back. But he doesn't say that, does he? Peter is just coming out of the worst denial he could possibly ever experience. He has denied his Savior and Lord three times. And Jesus doesn't say, no, you don't, Peter. You're a fool. All these other guys are just as foolish as you. You all love me about the same. He doesn't say that, does he? What does he do? He says, feed my sheep. He says, Peter, I trust you with a job. I trust you to do something. You can't even say I love you the same way back, and he's giving him a responsibility. Mind-blowing. If my girls don't sweep the floor right, I want to take the broom out of their hand and do it myself. Go find something else to do. Go color for a little while, right? Jesus, the Savior of the universe, the living God, has been, he died on a cross for Peter. He says, I love you. Do you love me the same? And he says, Peter, here's your chance. You denied me three times. And Peter's like, yeah, I phileo you. I, I, you're my friend, Jesus. You know you're my friend. And Jesus is like, all right, I got a job for you. Feed my sheep. Feed those who follow me. Jesus has said, and we see in John chapter 10, that he is the good shepherd. He is good, and he is our shepherd. We can trust him to lead us, to guide us. And he says to Peter here in this last chapter of John's gospel, okay, I'll take what you got. Feed my people. Here's a job. Here's a responsibility. Somebody who is broken and realish by no means should have any responsibility from God, from heaven. Jesus holds true to his promises that Peter would be the rock, that he would help build the church, that he would declare Christ as the Messiah. And on that foundation, the gates of hell will not prevail. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about here this morning? Jesus remembers who he has declared Peter to be, even though this moment Peter is still weak and broken, and he gives him a task. It's like, I'm sending you out. I'm transitioning you. I'm transforming you from somebody broken and hiding to empowered and moving. Some of you guys need that more than your response this morning. He's, he's sending you out. So Jesus asks a second time. He says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yeah, I phileo you. You're my friend. And then Jesus says, tend to my sheep. Watch over them. Be with them. Protect them. Love them. 
So he's given him two jobs now, and Peter's still doing the same thing. And then he asks a third time, and Jesus changes it up. Jesus says, Peter, do you fillet me? Peter, are you my friend? Do you love me like a friend? And Peter now, it's clicked in his head, it says. He remembers, he's angry, he's frustrated, because now he gets the question, oh, he's taken me back to when I denied him three times. He's taken me back to that moment. And Peter says, you know everything, Lord. You know all, and you know that I'm your friend. You know that's what I can do. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, and truly I say to you, you used to be able to dress yourself. You, you've done all these things. You can go wherever you want, but for one day, there's going to be a day when you stretch out your hands and you can't move yourself around. And it says that in that moment they understood what kind of death Peter was going to take for being Jesus' friend. Jesus says, I'm transforming you, but I'm giving you a responsibility. If you want to be my friend, it's going to cost you something, Peter. I'm going to transform you from a a hiding liar who denies me to somebody empowered, changing the world, and you're going to stretch out your hands. Does anybody know how Peter died? On a cross, upside down. Because at that point of his life, he's like, I can't even die the same way, Jesus. Flip me upside down. He gets it in this moment that he is going to die for being his friend. This morning, I, I want you to understand that, and Jesus ends that with saying, hey, follow me. This is a, a going back to the beginning where Jesus says, hey, come follow me, be my disciple. I trust in you. I believe in you. You can do what I do. So Peter, who has denied Christ three times, Jesus looks at and says, hey, how much do you love me? Okay, you want to be my friend? I'm still saying I trust in you. I believe in you. You can be my disciple. Come follow me. Some of you guys this morning need to realize, like, you might have been on your Christian journey for decades, and you feel like you've messed it up over and over and over again, and you probably can't say, I have deep heart longings for my Savior. You might be able to say, well, yeah, Jesus is my friend. I had a t-shirt before that said, Jesus is my homeboy, because I was cool back then. It's not so cool. But anyway... I had that shirt. Some of you might just be able to say, like, I, I, I'm a friend with God. And Jesus is saying, you want to be my friend? Then I'm giving you a responsibility. I'm changing you from somebody sitting on the bench, just ignoring things and wallowing in your past shame, to being empowered by my spirit. Go out and do something. Go out and do something. I'm giving you a task. If you want to be my friend, you have to follow me. You guys okay this morning? Can you follow me? See, I want you to know this morning that you're saved by grace. You're not saved by what you do. But yet, friendship with God will cost you something. If he's really your friend, if you really are in love with him, if you call him Lord and Savior, it will cost you something as you do what he has asked you to do. It is a high privilege to be his friend and to be about his business. Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments, right? He says, if you're my friend, if you, if, you, if you call me your friend and I'm Lord and Savior of your life, then it's going to cost you something. I'm going to give you something glorious to do, but it's going to cost you. He says, follow me. You cannot be a friend with God on your own terms. It's got to be his terms. It's got to be his terms. Peter says, yeah, I'm your friend. You know I'm your friend. And Jesus says, okay, it's going to cost you. This is my terms, Peter. This is my terms for you following me. I've already saved you. Give, by my grace, I'm allowing you to partner into something bigger. I'm allowing you to be a part of this. Jesus says, follow me. Chapter 21, continuing on here, here in verse 20. 
You guys okay? Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had also leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, what is, who is going to betray you? And Peter saw him and he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? I'm going to pause there for a second because this is hilarious. I want you to see what's happening here. Who wrote this book? John. John refers to himself over and over again as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John's like, yeah, the one that Jesus loved the most, guys. So I, we're all 12, but Jesus loved me. John's also the youngest of the disciples. He's, he's the pup of the group. And sitting around the Lord's table, it was, it was not like we see in the, the picture, you know, where they're all there and somebody's got the dagger behind their back and, you know, we think that's Mary. We don't know if that's Mary, like the, the whole code, right? Guys? It's not that image at all. It's, it's more like a horseshoe that they're set up in, and they're laying down and lounging. And Jesus is the head of the table on the one end. And it would go around, and theoretically, Peter should have sat right next to Jesus. But he didn't. Jesus had John sit next to him, the young one. John should have sat on the other end. Actually, they think Peter sat on the other end. Like, they switched it all up. And so John gets this little moment in here in his his gospel. So Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you love me? Do you love me? Do you love, do you, are you my friend? You're going to die for me. And Peter, what's he do? He looks and says, he sees the one who Jesus loved, the one who also laid on Jesus' chest at the table. Remember that, Peter? Do you guys remember this, the time that I was laying on Jesus, lounging back? Like you would lay on your chest and be on your elbow. And John says, I was laying in front of Jesus, lean back. Like talk about brotherly love, right? How many of you guys, I mean, Robert was the king of it. It would freak Will out all the time. Robert loves some physical touch. Will is running like you had the plague, right? But like to be two grown men and leaning into each other, it's an intimate thing, right? Nobody agrees with me. You guys are all just lounging on each other. Like, why are we so spread out then? I'm just curious. Like, you guys take the furthest seat away on Sunday morning. Like, like there's going to be leprosy in here. Like, we can't even sit beside another grown man. These two men are lounging on top of each other, lounging there, and Jesus is telling them, leading them through communion at the Last Supper. And, P- and John, who's writing this gospel, says, hey, so Peter heard that he's going to die, and he knew it because it says it the verse before. And Peter turned, and he saw the disciple that Jesus loved following them. So John's behind Peter and, uh, Peter and Jesus talking, right? They're walking on the beach. They just ate the breakfast on the beach. And so frying pan, that's what this was, the frying pan. And they ate the breakfast, and Peter and Jesus are having a little walk, and here comes John, because he's curious. What's going on up there, guys? And, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these guys? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's like, yeah, of course you know. And Peter goes, well, how's he going to die? <laughs> what about this guy? Like, if I'm going to die that way, how's he going to die for loving you? Do you guys see the, the story? This is my kids. This is you and I. And Jesus' response, which John writes, because John's awesome and funny, he says, Jesus says, uh, what does that matter to you? He could remain until I come. Like, it, it, wh- what about him? If it's, if it's my will that he lives until I come back, what's that to you, Peter? <laughs> and 
And so even John says, hey, there started to be a rumor about me that I would live forever until Jesus comes back. And that's clearly not the case. Jesus didn't say that. How do, let, let me just help to even the score a little bit. Jesus gives Peter a commission to go and love the body, right? To make disciples. We know that's the great commission we'll talk about in a little bit. To make disciples. But he says, hey, I'm giving you the responsibility. I only do what the Father says. I am the good shepherd. And now I'm giving that to you. Feed the church. Feed my people. And Peter's like, this is going to cost me. What's it going to cost John? And I would say, do you guys know what it cost John? Just curious. John was boiled in oil and still lived. And then he most likely is the one to write Revelation isolated on the Isle of Patmos. So it kind of cost him something too. I mean, I cut my thumb two days ago and I've been moaning about it for, four, like for, for two days. I've gone through 17 bandages in two days, right? I've never been boiled in oil I've never been isolated on an island until I die. It cost him something too. And, but Jesus says that's not the point. The point isn't what the gospel is going to cost the person beside you. The point is how much do you love me? Are you willing to be moved by me? To be on mission with me? Are you willing to take care of my sheep? He's saying you got you to see the real point here. So you and I don't know what kind of struggles our life is going to have. The other thing you don't know is what kind of struggles the person beside you is going to have for following Christ. So what we do is we sit in our cubicles at work and we say, well, why do they get all the good things? Why do they have the best life? Why do they drive the nice car? Why do they have all these things working out for them? Meanwhile, we don't know that their life is broken and a wreck. Meanwhile, we don't know that missionary or that televangelist that we like to make fun of because he's got a big house is also being persecuted by constant people every day of his life. We don't know what that person's walking under. We don't know those kind of things. We don't know what somebody receives as a persecution for preaching the gospel or for being obedient to the call. Like, we could actually even look at what Martin's doing and say, well, it must be nice to be Martin riding his bike around for a while. We don't think about the dedication and training and, and, and what he's got to give up. We don't think about how Keely and him have to work on their relationship during this time as she's here in Pennsylvania and he's traveling. We don't think about the money it costs him. We don't know about the people he's got to invest into. We don't know about the responsibilities at City Lights that he's got to figure out in advance. You guys know what I'm talking about. We have no idea what it's going to cost him, but anytime that somebody's been commissioned by the Lord, we like to sit back and judge them. Well, I know what it costs me, what's it cost him? Like even Robert and Katie, well, how do they get to go down in Texas and just be missional their whole life? Get self-funded raises. You guys know what I'm talking about. We do that. We have these judgments when somebody says, hey, God's called me to this. I'm doing this. Or I feel in my spirit I need to change this and do this. We sit back and say, what are they doing if they only knew the suffering I had to go through? Jesus says, I didn't ask you to be concerned about your brother's suffering. I asked you, to, do you love me? Do, do you love me? Because if so, this will be the most transformative experience that you will ever have. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd. In John chapter 20, Jesus says this, that as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, I want you to understand that this passage isn't just about Peter and John, even though it seems to be a pretty good contrast to the two. This passage is about you and I. 
as His disciples, who agrees that we're disciples of Christ? As His disciples, we have a responsibility. As He has sent them, as Jesus was sent to feed the sheep, to to be a shepherd, He has also sent us into the world to shepherd, to feed, to mend the broken, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. He has sent us to be heaven on the earth right now. And the question that he gives to you, in spite of the many ways that you broke his trust over the last how many decades of your life, he says, I'm not worried about that. I still say, come follow me. I still say, come follow me. That should be exciting for some of you. He still says, come follow me. Worship team, would you come forward? We, we want to look at how lives have been transformed. And we see that Peter becomes this foundational mover for the church. Peter and, and honestly, Paul are the two biggest movers in the kingdom. And, and one was a wild rejecter of Christ who was also passionate and uncontrollable when in many times peter had a a pretty rough background right but then let's look at paul who takes on the same drive murderer zealot right blind and it took a moment of transformation to get him back on a a trajectory and it cost him something too this morning i will never present to you a gospel that doesn't cost you and i something The grace is free. We are saved by grace. But Jesus did not die on the cross just so you could escape hell, quote-unquote. He died on the cross so that you could be his friends, to be on mission with you. That goes back to the very, he says we can't go back to the beginning, but we can go back to the beginning in the book, right? We can look at the beginning. And what was the purpose of mankind? To rule and have dominion over the earth as a representation of heaven. The Father gave Adam a responsibility, go, be fruitful, multiply, reflect me in my image. I create man in my image. And the whole point of the resurrection is that God once again is doing the same thing. He's saying, I'm forgetting about the sins of the past. I'm paying for that through my blood, through my sacrifice. And now I'm asking you to represent heaven again on the earth, to reflect me. You have not been saved by grace just so you could do the same old frustrating thing that you did beforehand. You have been saved by grace to be his friend and to be empowered, and it will cost you something. You might die in a nice mansion with a huge legacy and all your friends around you and there's celebration and a banquet, or you might die isolated and alone and impoverished. The only thing that we do know is, can we say that we followed him? That when he asks us, do you love me? We say, yeah, you know my heart for you, God. You know the relationship that you and I have together. Does this make sense? God is asking you. He's inviting you to be transformed by the power of the resurrection. The old self is dead. Now live in your new self. Be his friend. Love him. Embrace him. Be on mission. I don't know what your mission is. And I would hope that some of you guys have ideas of what you're calling your giftings are like each you know that scripture says that each one of us in this body has a gifting that we bring to the church each one of us so if you're here 
you have a task or a mission from heaven that you've been given to bring into this body. That's pretty awesome. We know that we're going to need some musicians. So if you're a musician, please come see Ben or Sarah. We need musicians. We, we, we need helpers in the kids' department. We need prophetic people. We need teachers. We need, we need whatever. There's a huge list of gifts. You probably, well, not probably, you have one. Jesus says, come follow me. Forget your past. Be transformed. Let's do this together. Would you stand? Would you worship together? Thank you.